All right, welcome back. Um, this is episode seven of the Hunting RJ podcast. We're going back into March Madness. Uh, we got the final four coming up this Saturday. Um, but uh, we have a special guest again, our NCAA insider, Josh Miller. Um, welcome back to the pod. Good to have you on again. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to dive straight into this. Um, we're going to go through kind of each each region, and then we're going to talk about our final four matchups. But let's just address um, the elephant in the room real quick. Um, I think if you guys have been living under a rock, um, one of our one of our podcast members actually is recently homeless, and <laughs> this is uh, this is really unfortunate. Um, he's kind of suffering both emotionally and financially. Um, and, and this is because he put his house on Houston getting out of the region. And we'll get a little bit more into that um, and how they're going to do in the final four. But we're, we're going to f- first kind of give him a chance to explain himself with that pick and see how he's doing from both an emotional and financial standpoint. So Callum Dye, why don't you, why don't you give us kind of your take on that pick and, and why you kind of went with that in the first place? Yeah, I mean, thank you for the contacts, Ado. Um Thanks again, Josh, for hopping on the podcast. Maybe not so much of a special guest this time, but always, always happy to have him on. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of my well-being, it's a little cold out here. It's like negative six in Kingston, so I'm freezing my fucking dick off because I'm homeless. Um, but yeah, I mean, mentally, I think is where it's a lot tougher. Like, I've been getting a ton of slander in my DMs recently, and I'm definitely not going to tolerate it anymore. So I'm going to address address the committee today. Um so I guess for context, I said I'd put my house um, and all my livelihood on Houston not making out of the region because they're a fraudulent team. And I, I don't think I was wrong. You know, like w- when I looked at the bracket, I said, okay, if Houston runs into a San Diego State, a West Virginia, a Loyola Chicago, an Oklahoma State, a Tennessee, or an Illinois, they are balanced. They do not make it out of the region. I did not think, though, that Houston would have a path that includes Cleveland State, Rutgers, Syracuse, and then Oregon State. And to give you some context, I was actually on the correct side of each of those individual games. So I had Houston advancing against Cleveland State. I had Houston advancing against um, a Rutgers team. And then in a Syracuse game, I bet, or sorry, in my like second chance bracket, I actually had Houston moving on. And then I had Houston losing to Loyola Chicago, which I didn't play. But against Oregon State, again, I still had, like, where my money was, I had Houston on the money line. Like, that, I, I thought Houston was going to advance. So I didn't actually think, like, when we look at the individual matchups, I wasn't wrong in Houston. And here's why. This, this team of absolute fraudulent men got the single easiest bracket they could have from, A, like, a team perspective, but also a matchup perspective. So I'm going to brush Cleveland State under the rug here, but I'll give a quick overview. Basically, Houston... I mean, they're a good defensive team. Okay, we'll give them that. But here's what they do. They don't score the ball particularly well inside. They don't shoot the three ball particularly well. How do they score? They score on offensive rebounds. They get about 50 a game. Like, it's absurd. And second chance points. And then points off turnovers, right? So when, these play, when they play these teams, like a Rutgers, um, a Syracuse, and Oregon State, all three of these teams have something in common, right? They're all, like, one-dimensional on the offensive end. They don't rebound the ball well, and they're a solid defensive team, right? So if I'm Houston, I'm matching against, I get up against this Rutgers team. Rutgers lost by 30 to Illinois. They lost by like 25 to Nebraska before the tournament. Nebraska is the second worst team, maybe the worst team in the Big Ten this year. Um, and we all know the Big Ten's a little overvalued now. And Houston barely escaped with a three point lead. And then against Syracuse, Syracuse basically, they buddy Bayheim could shoot three, three ball well, but Houston, can mitigate that with their defense and they can score offensively because Syracuse plays a two, three zone, which inherently gives up a ton of offensive boards. So they get a lot of second chance points. They get points off turnovers and then against Oregon state, same thing. Oregon state rebounds the ball horribly. So Houston's getting a lot of second chance points. And, and then Houston's also getting a lot of points off turnovers. And they have basically Jero who um, will lock down. It was Buddy Bayheim in the 316 and it was Ethan Thompson um, in the elite eight. So what, when Houston matches up with these teams that are all built very similarly in the way that they're like strong offensive teams, but they really lack d- 
diversity on the offensive end, how they score the points, and they all rebound the ball, they rebound the ball poorly on the defensive end. It's really a no-brainer here that Houston advances. But I think so. That's kind of like my my spiel on why Houston had the results that they had. If they if they play West Virginia, I stand tall in the fact that they're going to lose that game. And if they play Oklahoma State or Illinois or any of these teams that can score through one or more, I guess like offensive outlets, they're going to lose that game. And, and that's why I have like their run coming to an end against Baylor. They haven't played a team like Baylor all year. They're huge frauds. They have one quad pre-tournament. They have one quarter one win. And that was in November against Texas Tech. Since then, they've been nobody. They've lost to Boise State. They've lost to Wichita, Wichita, Wichita State. They hit a buzzer beat against Memphis um, in the Americans. They, beat, they escaped Rutgers three points. Um, and they had a close game to the very end with Oregon State. Like, there's nothing that I see in this team that's like, wow. These guys, you know what? I was wrong. These guys deserve it. I was not wrong. Houston still sucks, and I stand by that. And so when they come up against a Baylor team with Davion Mitchell, with Jer- Baylor's got three NBA players. Butler, Teague, and Mitchell, bro. They got they got three NBA players. They're coached well. They're just so deep. I, I think – let me know what you guys think. I, I just think Houston not only has played double-digit teams – but those double-digit teams that they played were such ideal matchups for them in terms of how they play the game of basketball that even if they even if they came up against um, like a Liberty um, or a Maryland like two seed or like an UCLA two seed or, or UCLA eleven seed, um, I think like they lose to those double-digit seeds. Let me know your thoughts. Let me. Uh, am, am I wrong here? Do you think my take was wrong? Yeah, well, I just want to start off by saying how funny I think it is that that's posted on the Instagram and we have a clip of that and Houston <laughs> is in the final four. Like you can defend it as much as you want, but they still got to the final four. Um, I do somewhat agree with you that they haven't played very good teams and they're probably going to get dusted by Baylor, but I'm still on the fact that you said that we posted it and they got to the final four. Yeah. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, I don't know what I think of the, the game, like with Baylor minus five in this final four game. And he, Houston on the paper is like watching them play again. Like you said, like it's just not very impressive. They're kind of just getting lucky with these matches and stuff. But like on Ken Palm, they're seventh in uh, offensive efficiency, which is a very important stat. And most of that reason is just because their offensive rebounds are so impressive. Like they don't do that that well, but they turn the ball over. I think they're 41st in nation turnover percentage. They don't turn the ball that over that much. And then second in offensive rebounding percentage. So like they just play to their game of catching the offensive boards and stuff. So I, I don't know, like Arkansas gave Baylor a bit of a scare that last round, which was interesting. Cause I like Baylor got off to a really hot start. I don't know exactly what the shooting numbers were, but they were shooting pretty well to start that game and got off to a big lead, but Arkansas was right back in it and stuff. So it could be a close game. How does Baylor rebound the ball? They um, they rebound the ball offensively pretty well, but they don't they don't defensively they don't really rebound the ball particularly well. And so, so that that's why like I, sorry? That could be a problem if they don't rebound it defensively too well. Because Houston is like on the gl- offensive glass like I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It, they're also like not big, which is the crazy thing. It's not like they have some mass. They're not like got like Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley down there grabbing offensive boards. No, it just seems like they get everything and they get at least two shots every possession. Yeah. 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 Like every trip up the floor just kind of seems like if they don't score the first time, they're getting a second chance. Yeah, look, like I'm not the biggest believer in this Baylor team. Um, like against Arkansas, Davion Mitchell, I think pre-tournament, everybody was on Jared Butler for being the best player on the team. Davion Mitchell has been the best player in the tournament. He's been unbelievable. He's also, also their best defender. So he's in foul trouble against Arkansas. He's out basically the entire second half. Um, and so I think that's what kind of led that massive Arkansas comeback. But what also worries me is Baylor was giving up a lot of offensive rebounds against Arkansas that game, which is kind of scary. Um, yeah. I think like they're they're way more talented than this Houston team. Like the, what, this Houston team, I think like really, really lacks talent, but they play a winning brand of basketball. In terms of they they they'll hold you to to 60, 70 points. And like even if they shoot 35% from the field, they can they still 
I, I swear to God, I think they took like 20 to 25 more shots than Oregon State. They and took 62 and Oregon State took 47. Yeah. It's yeah, always like scary when you have 15 more shots. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's always scary when you have a team that can shoot in the mid thirties and still comfortably be in a game. Um, just especially when, when there's a chance that they could get hot in the next round, maybe even shoot 45% from the field against a Baylor when they're, when they're off, they're out rebounding them on the offensive glass by 10 or 15 rebounds. That could be a huge, that could be a huge swing if they're, if they're actually shooting the ball. Well, obviously Baylor is a great three point shooting team and a great offensive team. And, I ultimately don't see um, a Houston covering that spread even um, uh, on the offensive end, just, just the, the pure gap in, in, in offensive ability and the, the number of scores that Baylor has. But, but yeah, I mean, it could be scary if, if they get on the offensive glass and shoot relatively well against this Baylor team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what's helpful in this matchup is Baylor doesn't play zone. So like yeah. Syracuse is a two, three zone all game. Um, Oregon State's playing 2-3, they're playing 3-2, they're playing 1-3-1, one, one. like they're all over the place on the defensive end. Zones are inherently vulnerable to, to offensive boards, and I think that's why like it was so noticeable in those games. Um, so I'm interested to see what Kelvin Sampson can do with his team. Because um, like Baylor has great permanent defenders. I'd be interested to just, just see like how they score, right? Like Dijon Giroux, like everybody loves him now. He's still like a walking brick. And and, and and Quentin Grimes and Marcus Sasser are like still not unbelievable. They go out there, I'll shoot three from 10 from three. And like people are like, wow, they're unbelievable. It, I don't know. Miller, what, what do you think of a season team? Like, you, it's such a freaking enigma for me because they're so untalented, but just like they, they, they find a way to, to get it done. They still haven't played a team. They still haven't played a team. Yeah, I, I know. They're just, their statistics are kind of just impressive, but. Yeah, and like think about how like any public better like looking at a game Baylor minus five seems like a gift because th- like that's a small spread that you can be up three three going into the last couple possessions the last minute and Houston misses a couple shots and fouls and Baylor's going to cover that number so it's just like, like <laughs> just it's a scary one to take with Baylor because it's just like who w- wouldn't think Baylor minus five is a great bet. I've already already, already hammered it, to be honest with you guys. Yeah, so I feel like every one of their dogs will be taking Baylor minus five. But, like, Houston, I think, is going to stick around in that game. Like, they play so slow, too. Their, like, pace is, like, 300. So, it is going to be a low-possession game, which uh, could definitely benefit Houston as well, right? Like, yeah, they don't have that many possessions, and then they catch their offensive boards and stuff. And if Baylor's not getting their offensive rebounds or anything like that, they're limited to their – 60 possessions or whatever they're going to get the whole game and yeah yeah it, it could be a very close one I, I w- wouldn't shock me if Baylor went down because yeah that, that game against Arkansas they like considering they were what, what were they up in the first like 10 minutes of that game they almost got up like they're up like they're up, I think it was like 49 to 20 at some point I think they're up or sorry sorry, sorry like 39 20 I think they're up nine yeah they were they were almost up 20 it was they like were early payout 15 plus for sure yeah so yeah it's and then Arkansas got right back in it and this Houston team with how gritty they play and that, like, I they feel like they can stay in it all game for sure. I mean, Baylor also shoots sixty five percent from the line, which is scary for a for a five point spread, especially if it's a close game. And, and they yeah. start fouling. Um, yeah, I mean, Baylor's still covered every every spread they they've had in this tournament. Um, I mean, probably not as comfortably as you'd want last game, but they still did. Yeah. Um, they still they still have the offensive weapons to um to, to 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 go down the stretch with any team in the country. I think that's um pretty important to note. Like they've got the closers, they got multiple closers. Um and and in close games like that, it, it is bucket for bucket, shot for shot. Um and I, I think they can cover that five point spread um if, if they keep it close. Um, you say you had money on it already? Yeah, yeah. I have, I have money on it. I have quite a bit of money on it actually as well. Okay, a few yeah. units. A few units. Few units. I mean, Not they opened they they opened at minus four and a half. Quickly went to minus five. Now they're at minus. I think they're still like minus five, but like with with a lot of juice too. Like it's now one point nine. Um, yeah. Like plus one ten. Um, 
So yeah, I think I think Miller's got spot on when I think the public is absolutely hammering Baylor. Something you don't love to see from a contrarian viewpoint. Um yeah. I don't think the matchup's great for them, but I just think Houston, look, if Houston shoots the ball well, I think they cover the spread, they can win the game. If they shoot the ball well. They have the, they have the potential, like they shoot 36, 37% for three. They have the potential too. Um if they play how they did against Rutgers, um, or if they have like a standard average game. Like I think Houston covers a sp- or wins a game maybe 30, 35% of the time. I, mean, I don't think it's as big as a, of a discrepancy as, as I would have loved. I think Baylor actually would match up with the other Final Four teams maybe better than, than Houston. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the, the Houston uh, game is definitely going to be the better one to watch on Saturday yeah. considering uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a 14-point favorite. Well, in the Final well let's, let's, let's talk about UCLA for a second because I want to get um, your guys' opinion on UCLA. I haven't watched much of them this tournament. But what a story. I mean, they, they came in as a, as a first four team and then they, they end up beating a two seed, beating a one seed, and all of a sudden they're in a final four. Um, Callum, what have you seen from UCLA um, in this tournament that's really surprised you? Well, I guess the funniest thing is, so I had, I had UCLA money line in the first four matchup against Michigan State. Um, I think it was like plus 235 or plus 135. And the game starts at like 9, 10 p.m. Eastern, so it's it's like midnight now, halftime. They're down like 12. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my losses. I'm going to bed. I wake up, money in my account. Like, what? You say like cover? I look back at the game. Jimmy buckets like horrible fouls from Michigan State, and then Jimmy buckets gets an and one um, to tie the game, and they win. They they go and win. Um, they don't. They they shouldn't even be in the tournament. Michigan State like has to win that game. I think. Then they play BYU, um, who I can understand they win that game. They play Abilene Christian again. I can understand that game. Like when I when I look at the route, it's it's impressive. At the same time, um, the East Region really like fifty one forty nine in a college basketball game. Yeah. My grade seven team was putting up those numbers. Franz <laughs> <laughs> Wagner is just like. Absolutely like, hucking bricks that game. Like and like Alabama, what they shoot from the free throw line that game? 40%? It, it was like nine for twenty-five. It, it was something absurd or like eleven for twenty-five. It was something absurd. Forty-four percent, eleven for twenty-five. Yeah. Right? So like and UCLA goes ahead and wins that in OT. So I mean they beat they tied the game late and won an OT against Michigan State team. They beat BYU, sure. They beat Abilene Christian, a 14 seed. I think they win that game. And they then Alabama goes out, shoots 44% from the line, and they win an OT. And then they score 51 points and somehow win against a Michigan team that scored two points in the last five minutes. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always impressive. This is the second time in history that an 11 seed or a double digit seed has made the Final Four. But I think they got de blessed. Um, in in this, in this bracket, yeah, they still won the games though. Like, yeah, you can discredit that insane oh, basketball no. after that first half of the playing game. Yeah, I grabbed them live at plus four seventy five just before half. Jeez, playing game, which was ridiculous. And then didn't think that. Yeah, didn't and think that would even come four. through. Like, yeah, let alone them make it this far. Imagine being plus four seventy five in a playing game and being in the final four. Dude, yeah. low key, I think a lot of people, a lot like public betters got lucky with this UCLA team because I, I noticed a lot of people had when it was like when you look at the bracket before the first four games it's like Michigan State slash UCLA a lot of people actually had Michigan State going deep in the tournament because right. yeah. um, after they beat Michigan by 10 like they had like a few really good wins there so people had Michigan State going deep but like <laughs> UCLA took that spot they suck up <laughs> right it's like that's it's, actually so true it's a funny it's a funny little dynamic there it's interesting to to, to now see how UCLA, um, how well they did in the tournament. How well could Michigan State have done in the tournament? How well could they have gone if they yeah. were matched up against UCLA in the first four game, right? Yeah. So, Well, I just want to take a second and talk about how good the Pac-12 was in this, in this basketball tournament. Because, I mean, obviously, I only really watch Pac-12 a bit, and I like Oregon. The one person ever that says that statement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but they were good, weren't they? Four of them in the what was it, Sweet Sixteen? That's big for them because they're normally just shit on by everyone. Everyone just talks exactly. about the Pac-12. And so it kind of made so. me happy to see just everyone like everyone actually respecting the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, you were right, Zach. 
You, I'll give you, I'll give you props there with the you had Oregon being Iowa. You had you had, you had the USC Oregon matchup, um, and then I had USC winning that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. That was the best part of my bracket by far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of that region, we just got that absolute powerhouse in in Gonzaga who. It's minus fourteen, but the spread doesn't even. It seems too small. Like it it's still every spread. Small. Yeah. It's like, actually incredible. Like a team like Gonzaga, where they come into the tournament, like start the tournament, they were what plus two hundred to win. Yeah, just so they're already like the market's just so high on them to start already, and like that big of a favorite to win the tournament, and then to not only go out and win all the games easily, but like cover every single spread the market puts out. They've won. They've won their games by forty three points, sixteen points. 18 points and 19 points. Um, so they've covered that minus 14 spread in every game. Um, they also beat USC by 18 or 18 during the season. Or sorry, sorry, USC beat UCLA by 18 during the season, and they beat USC by 16 <laughs> during the season. So it almost feels like this minus 14 spread is too by low. The, the chain rule, it can't lose. Is what you're saying? Well, well, I'm not saying. Well, obviously, <laughs> matchups, matchups are everything in basketball. So I'm not saying that. But, but I mean, come on, this this team is is significantly better than than the UCLA team, who hasn't really, um, really beaten. Like I, I think USC beats UCLA. They've snuck out of a few games. UCLA snuck out of a few games, and Gonzaga has dominated. Yeah, it's it's funny Miller brings it up. It's almost like. So Gonzaga always has a really dominant regular season, right? And like yeah. they commonly win the division, um, but they never come into the tournament with this much hype. Obviously, first undefeated team to come into the tournament since Kentucky, and we're finally like, okay, but Gonzaga is finally getting the respect they deserve. Plus two hundred to win the tournament, and it's almost as like looking back, we're like, we we still kind of undervalued them. Yeah. And we basically said, okay, these guys are the biggest favorite to win the tournament um, in like decades. And they still, oh, it's not even fun to watch. It, it's honestly not fun to watch because you watch it's a twenty point game within twenty minutes, like within the first half. It, it's it's just it's the fact really, that no one can keep up with that team. Like they they play so fast, and it's the fact that they have two potential top ten picks that aren't even like their best player. They got Drew Timmy dropping like twenty five a game. Yeah, you 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 can't coached yeah. Just so active on the defensive end and 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 so quick offensively. It's well like USC looked good in this tournament. They dominated Oregon, they dominated Kansas. They were covered. So I was like, wow, this might be a good game. Yeah. Like somewhat close. It was 25-8. Yeah. In like the first 10 minutes. It was ridiculous. They had the minus nine spread covered in the first four minutes, I think. Oh, I know. <laughs> There's no looking back. So I don't know how someone's going to beat them. They have to have the worst shooting night of all time. And it's just, just, it's honestly terrifying. Like you got, you got Corey Kispert in here. Um, he's like a top three candidate for Naismith player of the year. He's having a shooting slump, which analysts are saying like a shooting slump. And they're still winning every game by 20 points. And like, he's still averaging 19 points a game. Mm-hmm. And then you got like your third best player, the tournament's going to be the a top three overall pick in Jalen Suggs. It's, it's not fair. It's Looking, not fair. say going back to how you said that they were undervalued at plus two hundred or whatever they were. Look at our bracket challenge. Like, yeah, like four, like three people, three or four of us had Gonzaga well, winning. I think. I think to be fair, the the logistics of the bracket challenge kind of discouraged. Um, I think Callum and I, especially from from picking Gonzaga. We thought that the, the, the money was going to be concentrated at the top of the bracket challenge, which is why we went for differentiating picks um, to, to kind of to, – that's at least why, why I went for, for Oklahoma State because I thought everyone would go for Gonzaga. I need – I'm not going to get any of these willy-nilly uh, round of 64 matchups, so, so I need to differentiate myself somehow yeah, um, and hope for a Gonzaga upset. But, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think, yeah, Gonzaga, this, like – it, it almost looks they're they're I think one point four to one to win the tournament now, which is just ridiculous. I mean, we could be proven wrong; they could lose, but I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. They yeah. haven't looked. They they've looked vulnerable once a season, and it's when BYU had the best shooting night of any team in any conference in a half. 
and they're down. It, they're, it wasn't even vulnerable, vulnerable. It was just like BYU was on fire from three, and like any team that is just making all their threes is going to be able to get a lead on on any team. They still won by ten. It's it's not it's not some random thing too. It's BYU. They're coming into half at at like up fourteen against or up thirteen against Gonzaga. They're like a I think they're like a top twenty team on Kempom, and they lose by ten. Yeah, it's, just, it's comical. It's comical at this point. With Jalen Suggs up, or no, he was playing. Never mind. But but still, <laughs> ten a ten point game. Like <laughs> you won't catch. I, I'm just saying it right now. I don't care what the spread is. Um, even if it's against Baylor, you will not catch me putting a cent of money on a non Gonzaga side. I, I I just can't do it. Yeah, it's it's foolish at this point. It's like betting against Brady. It's the same thing right now. Yeah, you just don't bet against them. It's ridiculous. This UCLA team, though, I mean, Jimmy Buckets, or sorry, Johnny Buckets. Um, Johnny, like, Jacques, or no, no, Jacques, no, fuck, what's his name? Juzang. Sorry, Juzang, yeah. yeah. Johnny Juzang. Dropped 28 in the Elite Eight. Really? Um, and UCLA scores 51 points. Yeah. I forget the stat. I think it's the first time someone scored more than half of their team's points. Like, I, I don't know the stat, but in, in a while, in, in an NCAA tournament game. And so, like, have, we're in. Well, and they won. Yeah, and they won. To have a team that's, like, that, like, shaky, going against, oh, man. <laughs> the scoring breakdown for that game is actually hilarious. There's five people who scored in that game for UCLA. It's four points, four points, four points, 11 points, and then 28 points from Johnny saying. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, no, but <laughs> yeah. Looking back, Gonzaga to reach the Final Four at minus two ten, whatever it was, was the biggest walk of the century. Would have been a great bet. Like, yeah. they would have sweated a bit. Yeah. What do you guys think the spread would be if, in theory, it was Gonzaga Baylor? Minus seven point five. Seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And you think Gonzaga cover that? I mean. I then, think it's a good line. I think it's maybe, maybe a backdoor cover if they if they shoot a couple threes when in, in 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 garbage time. But I think the line should be seven and a half or it's yeah. seven, six, seven and a half sounds. Game. Game. I don't know. Um, I mean that's all three theoretical. What's the know. Callum? What's the what's the Houston Gonzaga spread? <laughs> yeah, that is going to be the final. <laughs> yeah, you know that could very well be the final. Um, nine, I would say like eight maybe. They might be a little more, but like you say, like people love, sorry, people loved USC coming into this. I was like a long defensive team and the spread was nine and they got their shit rocked. So I think like, <laughs> I see, I, I just say all the public money I'm guessing is on, on the Zags. Uh, Miller's maybe better at this than I am, but like, I think the line would be eight, eight or eight or nine. Uh, yeah. It could be even could seven be double digits or just because Houston does play so slow. So there's less possessions a game. Yeah. The spread's going to look a little smaller than it probably should be of what you would initially think. But, yeah, I think something around eight would be pretty fair, though, uh, to assume. I mean, I guess it also kind of depends on how these two games go. Like, if Gonzaga go and blow out UCLA, but, like, Houston blow out um, Baylor, then there's a chance that, like, people will be on Houston. They'll be like, oh, this team's actually good. The spread might be a bit lower, but yeah, but it won't really change how the spread. The spreads are always made via numbers and all that, and yeah, people yeah. can kind of make their spreads before the game even happens and know what the spread's going to be if they run the numbers. So I don't think it'll affect too much what happens in re- like the recency bias. That'll yeah. just affect what everyone's going to bet, like you said. Yeah, just kidding. yeah. I, I want to quickly talk about um, one one other team that that was knocked out relatively um, early. Uh, it's Illinois. I think they um, they were the people's um, they're supposed to go to the finals in, in the people's bracket um, and, and they got knocked out in the round of 32 against Loyola Chicago a good team granted but um, what what was kind of uh, Illinois where did they where did they go short against against that Chicago team I, it was a tough game they lost by 13 but um, where did you guys see them coming short um, this tournament go for it Callum. I mean, I think they didn't match up too well with this Illinois or the Chicago team. Like, when you watch Chicago Oregon State team, like Chicago Loyola's got a really, really good defensive team. Um, but 
against a good if they play another good defensive team, they struggle to score, right? They they couldn't buy a bucket against Oregon State. Then they shot in the twenty percent, maybe like twenty eight percent. I don't know if I'm right there. Um, yeah, it was really low. It was super low, and so I think against Illinois, Illinois is maybe not like a great defensive team, and they don't match up particularly well um, with Loyola Chicago. Uh, like, cause they, cause they, they defend the ball well inside. So Kofi Cockburn can't really do a bunch of work. Ayo DeSumo was just like looked off the pass, like since he got injured, since he came back, he just like looked off. Um, so he's not the Nate Smith player of the year that he once was early in the season, putting up kind of almost triple double numbers. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I live, I put a lot of money on, on Illinois live in that game. So there's no way they were losing to Loyola. I think I was just wrong. Um, cause yeah, it, I think- it wasn't close either. They they dominated from wire to wire. Yeah, I was kind of played into their advantage with how slow they play and defensive and stuff. They got a lead early and they were just perfectly played into their hands. If they went down ten early and had to kind of pick up the pace to try and catch up or something, they did something like that. Then Illinois, I think, would have ran away with it, something like that. But just because Loyal was able to get off that lead, it was just played right into their strategy of playing nice and slow and very defensive and just dominated them. Yeah. Kurtwig also outplayed Kofi Cockburn in that game, um, which was which was a, a massive a massive matchup. He's, um, he was he, he was easily for me one of the best players I've seen in this tournament. Clearly, that was with, a, that was an insane game. He was with getting, his impact, like his hands defensively. Yeah, oh, I didn't I didn't know the guy could do that. Yeah. And even had like back to back to back strips. He um, possessed and in, in, down the stretch in that game for sure. And then. The, he looks like he's Jokic, but in the, but in the NCAA um, tournament, like he gets the ball at the top of the key, and all the players start running kind of shrug screens off of him, and he's just he's with the ball making decisions. Like you can tell the guy's just got insane IQ, and he knows how to play the game, and so he knows knows how to pick apart like a an Illinois team that isn't unbelievable. And I mean, I guess that illustrates kind of this one other big trend that we see: the Big Ten. Where where are they? Ohio State two seed out first round. Iowa two seed blown out second round. Illinois blown out second round um, as a one seed. They had what did they have? Nine teams in the tournament, and they had one. Did they have one advancing to the Sweet Sixteen in Michigan? And then no, Michigan no, falling, falling falling to the Elite Eight, falling in the Elite Eight to a UCLA team. Yeah. Were we wrong? Did we overvalue the the Big Ten, or do you think they just had bad series like iowa and ohio state were just bound to get bounced yeah in the numbers like their defensive efficiencies are just so bad they never fit the bill to be a champion and so like that wasn't too surprising but it was a little shocking how early they went out you would have thought ohio state would have got past oral roberts and but yeah like you you knew betting against them on the spread wasn't a bad idea i had oral roberts plus the points there and that was nice but um and then iowa as well for them to get bounced like Again, kind of shocking by that much against Oregon, but uh, Oregon played great, and yeah, it just Iowa just didn't have the defense to. I mean, we scored what ninety six points or something. I think it was against Iowa. Like, mm-hmm. you can't win a game when you're giving up ninety six points in college yeah. basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, Garza dropped thirty six. Yeah. Like, he did all he could, and then it just they yeah. just weren't there defensively. Yeah. I want to bring up another team that we all kind of, or at least I had going to the finals in my bracket, actually. And, and I think a, a few of you guys had going to the... Miller had him win the tournament. Yeah, I did. That was not... Yeah, done. had him winning the tournament. Texas out in the round of 64. Why? Like, what What just happened there? I, 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 want, to give a, I want to give a really quick shout out to Miller here. I was listening back to our March Madness episode, and this guy literally said... Texas, I think, is going to the regional finals if they get past Abilene Christian. You said Abilene Christian was their hardest game. So I have bare respect. You were right. That was a great take. That was a fantastic take. Yeah, no, it just kind of was one of those where, like, he, people talked about it too, and then kind of maybe coming in the tournament sleeping, and Abilene is just kind of a random team that plays good defense and plays kind of that low-possession game as well, which – how many points were scored in that game? Like it was under 112, I think. Yeah, it was it was one one oh five. Yeah. So I watched the end of that too, and it was kind of tough. Texas like got back in it there, but then fouled that last play there to send the guy to the line. And Buddy was like a 50% free throw shooter, just ice in his veins, knocks them both down. 
Yeah. Me and me and Ada have had the past couple of weeks, we've been at the same house, like sauced at 1 a.m. And it's been it was the Michigan UCLA game this past weekend. <laughs> we we took an L on. And then it was the Texas Abilene Christian game where it's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we run down to the to the room to get the computer. I don't know if you can go back there, honestly. That's just exactly. bad being central. Horrible. Like ah. I texted going advancing um, to the final four. I think AO and Zach did. Miller had I, I think, yeah, Miller said best. Great take there on Abilene Christian. I mean, solid team matches up decently well with Texas. But I think if you're, I think, I think we're not too wrong in saying that if they get past that the Abilene Christian team, like there's nothing massive in their way in terms of Alabama or, or UCLA or Michigan for that matter. Yeah. And then uh, Oklahoma State was shocking. I couldn't believe they went down to Oregon State there. Yeah. I was I not high on Oregon State, even though they won the Pac-12. It's just one of those, like, okay, you won your Pac-12, but full new tournament restart button. Like, I like Tennessee minus eight and a half in the first round. Couldn't have been more wrong there. That was not even close. And then, uh, yeah, I was loving Oklahoma State to take them out. And Didn't Oak State shoot terrible free throws? Like, why would they Free throws yeah, their free throws are horrible. And Oregon State, Oregon State, yeah. They also for- turned the ball over a disgusting amount of times in that in that game as well. I thought when they got back to like they got, they got they back to four. It was a four point game. I was watching. I think, that. I think it, was, it, was, it was like a one possession game. Yeah, yeah. they got it to like fifty four fifty two, and I was like, oh, let's go because I've got every live money line possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still thinking, oh yeah, they're they're still covering this six. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then they go 0 for 11 after coming getting it to that. It's like, it was ridiculous, and Ethan Thompson was just making Cade Cunningham look like he was 16 years old on that basketball court. Yeah, and then Cade would go to the line and make one out of two. I'm like, oh great, you just lost another yeah. point because Oregon State's <laughs> going to score on you. Yeah, yeah, they were scoring at will at the end of that game. It was tough to watch, especially as an OK State championship winner um <laughs> yeah. the future I had on them as well. I really like my future there. I like the price I had. I thought it would. <laughs> A good one, and nope, they went crashing out to Oregon. Yeah, yeah this this EJ kid, I think, needs a little bit of praise. He was lights yeah. out in in both that OK State game and the Loyola Chicago game. Um, Giro absolutely clamped him against his game. He's basically yeah. non-existent. He's literally non-existent. Um, yeah, he, he was unreal in against OK State. I think he was averaging twenty-seven points per game or something after um after the Sweet yeah. Sixteen. Why don't, why don't we also shout out, obviously, Oral Roberts, America's favorite team. Max Abrams, man. Um, yeah. That shot almost fell. That I was know. Yeah, I thought he made it. He that thought was he good, made it, too. Did was you a good luck. That yeah, was like, an unbelievable luck. Good luck. Three seconds left. That was, that was a great – that was such a good play. Wide open, wide open three for the hottest play in the tournament up to that point. If I'm, I love that shot. Ten out of ten. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you guys um, a question, kind of moving into into the 2022 NBA draft. Two prospects. Well, we had top three prospects, prospects all all in there, all in this tournament. Um, who would you guys draft first? Obviously, it's based based on need, but but Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley. Who who would you draft? Um, who would you draft first with that second second pick in the draft? Yeah, I think I think Cade Cunningham's a lock at one. Yeah, um, Cade's a lock at one. But who would you take? I mean, after that performance against Oregon State, I put him back to like eight. <laughs> <laughs> you really disappointed me there. Yeah, lost him a lot of money, so yeah. he doesn't like him anymore. Come on, can't even take over against a Pac-12 team. Jalen and Evan Mobley. Sorry, I was saying Jalen and Evan Mobley aren't even locks though for for two or three. Um, because we have this Jalen Green kid who's in the G League. Um. Right, right. He really saw a prospect, actually. He's the number one kid coming out of high school, right? Yeah. He, I think, I think he might be number two kid coming out of high school. Not sure. I think. Yeah, it was him and Kate. I think. Um, I don't love either of these guys, to be honest. Jalen Suggs, like, defensive god. Um, he's athletic, right? He, he's an elite defender. Um, at, at the guard position, shoots the ball relatively well. Um, good playmaker, but same time he's like pretty small, undersized. Um, he doesn't. Uh, he's been the third best player on this Gonzaga team, which is maybe I guess 
if he's if he's this effective on the Gonzaga team that's this dominant, maybe that's a good sign. Like if he was if he was playing on Oklahoma like a like a Trey Young was, maybe he'd putting, be putting up insane numbers. Um, I like him. I, I don't love Evan Mobley though. I don't love Evan Mobley. He's just he's a little soft for me, right? Like it, I'm an old school guy. If I have a seven footer, I don't want him taking jack and threes like taking mid ranges. I want him to sit his ass in the paint um, and put in some work. Like he's he's great in college basketball. When he's longer than everybody, but he's just he's just small. Like or not small, obviously like seven foot, but he's like pretty skinny. I think you get bodied around um, by some of the bigger players in the NBA. I, I'd lean Jalen Suggs in this in this pick. I I I'd go Jalen Green number two though. Do you think Jalen Suggs has more potential? Like he's better. And, and you mentioned he's not too undersized for first position. No, he's, he's like, he's like six, six four, four, but he's not he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. He's not he's not Cade Cunningham, um, but he's still he's still like decently probably an average sized point guard in the NBA. He's shown he's shown flashes of having that it factor though. He he yeah. has the ability to take over games that no one else in college basketball currently has. Even yeah. even, even Kate Cunningham. Uh, like Jalen Do you think if Mobley got bigger, like just stockier, stronger, do you think he could do well in the NBA or do you think he's just not gonna do it? No, I mean I think I think they both do well in the NBA. This is a really strong draft class. Um yeah. I I'm not I'm not I'm not great at picking out Great prospects though. Like I thought I thought Josh Jackson can be unbelievable in the NBA. Look at him now. Right. <laughs> I don't even know where he's playing. Where is he playing? Oh, Detroit, right? Detroit. Uh he yeah, was exactly. on Detroit. He might be on set. He's been bouncing around. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's irrelevant because the guy's yeah. the fact that we don't know it just, just speaks well. He was supposed to go number right. three over Tatum. He they draft boards had him going third overall in that draft, which is ridiculous now. But, Who are you thinking of? I know, I know you've watched a bit of them. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I kind of agree with your with your take on Evan Mobley. I think um, he's not polished enough to play the way he's playing. I think um, guys like Kevin Durant, Kristaps Porzingis have kind of set this precedent for skinny seven footers um, that are super skilled, and it's all it's not a prototype that is that attainable for for a lot of these guys coming up. Um, he would be more effective if he did play down in the post, um, got his defensive instincts a little bit better around the rim, um, and, and played more as a as a big who can switch onto players and and kind of be that anchor for a team if he gets a little bit bigger and be that stretch five that can shoot but doesn't shoot um, uh, uh, voluntarily more more shoots if he has to. Um, but but yeah, I think I think Jalen Suggs. I think perimeter players are definitely just more more valuable in today's NBA and guys who can guard um, on the perimeter and guys who can create their own shot um, at a higher level. And so, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I'd go Jalen before I'd go Evan um, in this scenario as well. Mobley also like the way he scores is off. He scores off a lot of lobs. He scores a lot of, off of a lot of um, offensive rebounds. He's a great defensive player. Mm-hmm. He, even though he takes like, he plays like a premier player. He doesn't really like, score like a premier player. Right. Right. Like Kristaps, before coming into the NBA, we knew he could. He was like elite from the outside. Same with KD, right? right, right. I think a lot of these, a lot of these prospects we've seen that are like long, um, like seven footers that can shoot a three. Bull Bull rings the bell. Um, when it's like, wow, this guy like has potential to be unbelievable. I, I know he's been playing better. Like, just haven't really necessarily like panned out. Even if you look at like, um, Frank, what's that? Um, he's Canadian. He played for Milwaukee. Don Maker. Don Maker, people thought like he's gonna be the next freaking MVP. Right, like the players like that just like yeah tend to pan out less than high potential guards in this league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, even a guy like Mo Bomb had so much potential in the NBA because he could shoot the three ball in, in college, and everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be insane." And give me, really... give me Baylor's flow Thamba over a Mo Bomb. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Like, what are the names of these players, man? Baylor's got – they don't have Mo Bama, They have Flo Thamba. They don't have Donovan Mitchell. They got Davion Mitchell. They don't have Jeff. They that have... guy is literally Donovan Mitchell, man. Yeah, Can we Donovan. talk about that for a second? I was saying, if the Jazz have a late second-round pick and this guy's still on the board, take him. Let him just play under Donovan Mitchell's wing. Get him just, like, literally every time you take off Donovan Mitchell, just put in this guy and you'll get 80% of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's got to be injured right now. Like, this is actually him. They, they look the same. They play the exact same. The number this, guy, five. this guy needs to get drug tested right away. 
if you're going to be an imposter, like at least change your name to something more creative than Davion. <laughs> same build, same number, same like body type, same mannerisms, same like, oh, it's insane. Yeah. It's actually insane. You got Jeff Teague and Jimmy Butler as well, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> they got an absolute roster. Yeah, they're, they're built different. Yeah. All right, well. Um, Let me go final, final predictions and then, yeah. then we'll, we'll cut it yeah. off. Yeah, let's do that. So Zach, start start us off with the final predictions. Each game, and then your your championship. Each game, including your covers, including your covers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you gotta pick a spread. Okay, Gonzaga's covering against UCLA. I don't know if I need to explain that. I just think that they've covered every spread, and I don't think that's stopping here against the UCLA team that's kind of scraped by. Um, so obviously I have Gonzaga in the final, and then I'm sticking with my bracket, and I have Baylor beating Houston. I don't want to pick two mile, two favorites to cover spreads. I hate that. But I will go Baylor to cover the spread, but I think that's going to be a lot closer than Gonzaga. And then... And Gonzaga crushing Baylor because I don't see them losing. They cover minus 7.5 in the finals? Yeah. Yes. Okay. They beat them by 15. <laughs> Josh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously I think Gonzaga's going to advance. 14, I'm not going to lay it. That's just too much. I just don't even want to... I don't want to be thinking about... What it's After going that through. Brooklyn spread last night, Brooklyn minus 14, and the Rockets just... Oh, my God. Did you guys watch that? Uh, I was kind of watching on my phone. I was, like, looking at it live. I was like, oh, Brooklyn's minus two and a half. And I was like, they're down four. I don't know. Like, uh, And then they ended up winning by 12, but not covering the original 12 and a half or 14 or whatever it was. Yeah. It's just brutal. Man. That was the worst beat in the history of beat for that guy that had a five dollar wager, like eleven team parlay, pays oh. up five point five k. Brooklyn minus twelve point five in the last leg, and it loses off a of Daniel House. Like that is oh. buzzer beater Daniel House threes. I would be on site with Daniel. I didn't see it. So they got up fifteen. Yeah, yeah, they were up fifteen, and and they were dribbling the ball out, and Daniel House decides with two seconds left to hook up a buzzer beater three. Oh man, that is tough. Yeah, no, I did not know. Last that. leg of the deck. That's why minus fourteen is just such a sketchy, sketchy thing. Because it could be a nineteen-point game with a minute left, and they just go yeah. three, dribble it out, run the shot clock out, three. Yeah. There we go, thirteen-point game. Not all she wrote. Spread there, but then uh, I think I, I'm going to take Houston. I think in the other one. You got the dual underdog spread. Zach's got the dual favorite spread. Yeah. Houston to win or just to cover. To, I think they're going to win, too. I'm going to take them. Sure. Jeez. Which way? Yeah. And then hopefully, okay. for my bracket's sake, somehow UCLA just shoots 100% from three-point and only <laughs> And then, then they might win. Okay. Yeah. I got, um, like you guys, I think um, Gonzaga covers minus 14. Um, they, they just have to at this point, I think. They haven't <laughs> lost a game by less than 16 points. In this tournament, um, I would also have uh, Baylor. I'd be a hypocrite now to say Baylor doesn't have <laughs> putting four units on them to to cover. Um, and then in the final, I think Gonzaga covers um, against Baylor. Um, anything less than than eight point five, I would, I, would, I would place. Calm. One sec. One sec. I'm just. I'm opening up the the model that's been good to me in recent years. Um, it's not updated for tournaments, but I want to run it and see, see what it's looking like for this. Okay, fuck. So I got... Fuck. It, I hate when I disagree with my model. So I got Baylor covering minus five. Model likes Houston. I think it's going to be 71.7 to 71.5 for Houston to win the game. Hate to see... <laughs> hate to see. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it really does. It's got Gonzaga winning by 14, so same line there. But I might just take Gonzaga for the shit of it. But I'm gonna go. I go Gonzaga minus 14. I go Baylor minus five. Um, that bets in place. I go Baylor money line in the finals because I think of any team in the tournament they match up best with Gonzaga in the sense that they have four guards that can penetrate. Um, that can penetrate Gonzaga's guards. Um, and Davion Mitchell can can lock down. Uh, Jared Butler can lock down when uh, the team shoots 41, 42% from three. I think on their day, they could beat anybody. And I don't want Gonzaga to win. This this year has made me a Gonzaga hater. 
I've loved them in the past because of their West Coast team. Now, like, you, you just can't like them. They're like, dude. Has, has any team won the tournament and covered every single spread? <laughs> There's That's a, a good question. Yeah. So, I, Gonzaga, the crazy side I saw, Gonzaga had over their last 37 games, 30, sorry, last 36 games, 35 of those have been won by double digits. And the one that they didn't win by double digits was away at West Virginia in November when Jalen Suggs was injured, and they won by five. Yeah, it's like every other game they won by double digits. That's ridiculous. Twenty-eight or twenty-nine game streak where they've won by double digits. Yeah, yeah. Twenty—it's like twenty-eight, and then the West Virginia game, and then like goes back into last season. It just gives you way too disgusting spreads for a Final Four. Yeah. 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 Like biggest Final Four spread since 1996. Is that it? Yeah. Is that is that true? Holy there's, only, there's three yeah. other uh, double digits. Double digit ones, right? Yeah. That's insane. I would, yeah. There was like a 10 and 11, and then 14 and yeah. 96. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. All right, <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll wrap things up there. Um, thanks again, Josh, for hopping on the podcast. It's always a pleasure to have you here. You know your stuff. Great call with the with the Texas pick against Abilene Christian there. Um, obviously, like it's been a crazy March Madness. Um, so this is an interesting episode to film. It was nice to get some recaps, and hopefully, I can be less down horrendous moving um, into the rest of these. these I, my unit, I, my bankroll management's been horrible. I'm I'm shooting a positive percentage from the field, but I'm down money because I just decided to rip a ten unit. Play on Loyola Chicago money line parlay with um, who did I parlay them with? <laughs> like with fuck, I don't even know who. But the one of the legs hit. It, it was Baylor and Villanova. That was the other one. Yeah. No, I was almost putting a future on uh, Loyola Chicago to get a region. I think everybody, everything I listened to, they looked right. I think we listened to the same, relatively same stuff. Everybody was on Loyola Chicago to, to come with a region. Anything like the fifteen or eighteen to one. Uh, to win the tournament wasn't a bad bet to take as well, but I'm happy I didn't touch it. And I only, I actually bet Baylor final four because that was like minus 140. So I put a decent amount on that one because I like them to get out of that region with who was left in that one with Arkansas, Earl Roberts, and that mess of region. So an undisclosed amount. <laughs> <laughs> undisclosed amount. Knowing, knowing Miller, it's definitely a dangerous amount. <laughs> yeah. At least he's not putting his house on things. Um, with that being said, yeah, thanks again for hopping the podcast. Thanks again. Aiden and Zach for hosting with with me this episode. Um, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully we have this episode up tomorrow, or sorry, like Friday, April the 2nd, um, before the Final Four. But yeah, thanks again, guys. See you guys. Later. Later.